There's a Leonard Nimoy cameo, that's what I want to know. Welcome to the Don't Jump the Shark film podcast. I'm Ross. Oh, wait. I've still got my Grant disguise on. Wait, give me a second. (coughs) (coughs) That's better. That's better. Much better. Yeah, hello and welcome to the Don't Jump the Shark podcast. I'm Ross. And here's the effortlessly amazing Ethan Hunt to my bumbling rim... (laughs) Bumbling ving rooms. Grant! (laughs) I thought you could say bumbling rim job. <laughs> well, as another person who was born in Glenrothes, I would like to praise Dougray Scott for a rare time in this podcast <laughs> for managing to complete this film relatively heroin-free. <laughs> I've never once seen him hanging outside a shop asking people to go outside and buy him fags. <laughs> and also, he didn't hit someone with a crowbar just for looking at him the wrong way. <laughs> All Glenrothes' most famous things. <laughs> Here's what we do every time. Take a film that's good up to a point and then goes too far. We talk you through the film and point out that jump the shark moment where we feel it goes off the deep end. Could be five minutes in, could be five minutes from the end. As always, we locked ourselves in reshoots for Mission Impossible 2 <laughs> when we could have been away playing Wolverine. Hey, Degree Scott! <laughs> that was a great move for your career, wasn't it? <laughs> Degree Scott as Wolverine. He was cast and had to. That, that was a true story. I've yeah, never heard that one. He was uh, trapped in reshoots for Mission Impossible 2, couldn't play Wolverine, and so he, they had to get Hugh Jackman. You would have been a better Wolverine, is there? Yeah, better than him. A bit more gruff, eh? And then we studied the film separately, <laughs> so we have no way of knowing each other's chosen shark jumping moment. So, if you hadn't guessed. This episode's film is Mission Impossible 2, Grant. The second Mission Impossible. The best one. (laughs) Thus making the first one Mission Possible? (laughs) Should the retroactive rename them all after they complete the mission? (laughs) Or should they just say that when they complete the mission? (laughs) And high five each other. Mission Possible! Okay, so here's a here's a question then. What impossible mission would you like to send Ethan Hunt or Tom Cruise, whichever you want, on? I would like to send Tom Cruise on a mission which requires him to use some of his special Scientology powers. <laughs> so they'd be a bit where he has to walk through a female changing rooms, which would be hard enough for him for a start. <laughs> for to test out his invisibility power. <laughs> And then I would actually throw him off a cliff. <laughs> you could taste his flying powers. Or levitation, yep, yep, yeah. definitely. And because I don't, I know it's all bullshit, I know he'd die. <laughs> so it's win-win for me as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> what about you? I'd send him on the last great adventure, Grant. And as all people know, the last great adventure is death. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's, it's pretty much where I'd leave him. <laughs> it would be Mission Impossible to come back from that one as well. <laughs> would you put a bullet in his head? <laughs> if only Corn had done the soundtrack to this instead of Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Well, that would have been an amazing joke. <laughs> anytime Diggory Scott um, showed up, you could have them uh, playing the bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who are the undercover agents that made this <laughs> Well, we've seen him before, Mr. Thomas Cruise Metopheles, or whatever he's called, <laughs> the fourth. Cruise Missile. <laughs> Because I've talked about some of his classics in the past, I, I decided to focus on three or well, two relatively new films from last year: Jack Reacher and Rock of Ages. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, I think this is pointing towards where his career's going because he's about to star in a film called "All You Need Is Kill." <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking he's heading down the Steven Seagal route? <laughs> Straight to direct the DVD. <laughs> He's going to start gaining weight any second. We've got Diggory Scott. Yep. He's in a film called Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in Hitman. I guess that's... Was he? The, yeah, he was the, the cop. Bad. The good guy, I guess. Good he was guy. Was he? He was the cop that was hunting him down. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like any Scottish actor, he had to make his way through Taggart. Taggart. <laughs> <laughs> And but, nowadays, River City. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a murder at River City. <laughs> it's murder at River City every episode. That's, that's mostly what our fiction is based on, because that's mostly what the reality is. There's been a murder, it's usually a pie. <laughs> Tandy Newton? Well, she's also been in The Pursuit of a Penis. Is that how you pronounce that? <laughs> no, I don't, think, I don't quite think so. <laughs> she's in 2012. Wow. <laughs> you think that's good? She's in Norbit. <laughs> that's desperation. <laughs> Ving Rames is in this film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ving Rames? Ving Rames? He's in Pulp Fiction. People seem to like that more than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good in Pulp Fiction. Dawn of the Dead? You oh. seem to like that more oh, than I, I do. <laughs> I really like him in Dawn of the Dead. He's in a film called Jamesy Boy, which I just like because it sounds really Scottish. <laughs> sounds like Diggory right, Scott. Jamesy Boy. <laughs> sounds a lot like Diggory Scott would be in that film, isn't it? <laughs> and technical crew, John Woo. Simple. Simple rule with John Woo. John Woo making a film in Hollywood? No. <laughs> in Hong Kong? Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, he did things like The Killer, Hard Boiled... When he, even when he went back, he made Red Cliff, which is a great film. Yeah, it's a good film. That takes him away from making stuff like, well, Face Off. <laughs> which is a remake of Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievably, the, the writers just confused me for this film. The story was put together by Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga. Now, Ronald D. Moore, I might actually know this one. Is that not the guy that did the reboot of Battlestar Galactica? He is indeed, and yeah. he worked on Star Trek for a lot of years, which is where yeah. I know Brandon really? Braga from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they wrote the basic story, mm-hmm. but the screenplay was written by Robert Town. Don't know that one. Who made Chinatown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the last detail. Looking. Never even Classics. Ever. Stone Cold classics. Yeah. 
I guess the cruiser influence. He also did Days of Thunder, so, <laughs> so he knows the cruiser and everything. Hope TC. <laughs> and that's it. That's everyone. That that's bizarre. <laughs> it's a promising start. So let's get into it. <laughs> so we get introduced to our first character. Is that the, the vaguely European doctor? That's Albert Einstein. <laughs> I am from Europe. Because <laughs> all doctors in Europe look like Albert Einstein. It's the law. You know who else he looks like? He looks like the character that Brent Spiner plays in Independence Day, that scientist. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> I actually thought it was Brent Spiner at first. So maybe Ronald D. Moore's giving him a call. <laughs> Got a crazy scientist. You want him? <laughs> you ruined Independence Day with a crazy scientist. You ruined Star Trek Generations with an emotion chip android. You want to come and ruin this for us? <laughs> come on, come on. You know you can be the crazy guy. <laughs> but character's not in it for long. And no. We quickly see a plane hijack. Mm. Um, with the cruiser on board, as far as we can see. Can we discuss the hair? Crews miss it. Um, well, at first, can I say, I actually thought it was Katie Holmes that was sitting next to him. <laughs> and then that kind of gave me a bit of insight into Tom Cruise's love life. <laughs> I love you, Tom. <laughs> he just must have been looking in the mirror and thinking, oh yeah, older Tom is doing younger Tom. <laughs> you say older Tom because he does look older now. Then than he does now. Yeah. It's <laughs> what grown long hair will do to you. What do you think of the hair? Uh, it's it's nice enough at the time. <laughs> does it sit on and does it still work now? No. No. I don't think it worked at all. <laughs> I think it was John Woo's idea though, because he wanted him to flick his hair around a lot. As he's doing his well, patented slow-mo shots. They paid, they paid so much for those slow-motion cameras, Grant. They had to use them and make them look dramatic. <laughs> Can I ask you another question about his hair, though? Yeah, go for it. Can we talk about hair for the ne- next 90 minutes and not Mission Impossible? <laughs> <laughs> it would be a better subject, yes. <laughs> what a smarmy fuckery is, though. I know it's surprise someone else wearing his face, but what a smarmy fuckery is. Yeah. Do you think it was him trying to play Degree Scott playing Tom Cruise, or do you think he just went, I'll just do smarmy Tom Cruise? <laughs> that way I will look much better by comparison. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, well, I think it's a mixture of both. I think it's him pretending to be Degree Scott, pretending to be him, but basically saying, Yeah, Degree Scott's not as good an actor as me, so I'm not going to act very well <laughs> when I'm doing this. <laughs> I'll act kind of a bit too broad. <laughs> Yeah, so, as you say, the the plane gets hijacked. Which, at this point as well, I will say, I'd forgotten this part of the film since I'd watched it when I was, like, eight or however old it was when it came out. And um, I couldn't help thinking here, if Tom Cruise is really on there, this plane has nothing to worry about. Because he can just use his Scientologist powers <laughs> to keep it afloat. <laughs> He'd be 14, by the way. I'd be 14 yeah. <laughs> it's out in 2000 yep. my god <laughs> but the captain's behind it all what a twist but he's in on it you know because <laughs> I recognised him <laughs> do you not think though that, that for this plan to work everyone had to put their oxygen mask on exactly the same time so they all passed out at the same time yeah pretty much 
including all the cabin crew and the co pilots. <laughs> Otherwise, somebody might have raised the alarm. Yeah. <laughs> or panicked in the slightest. Or said, everyone's passing out. <laughs> My word. <laughs> I, mean, I love though that Tom Cruise is just too cool to wear an oxygen mask everyone put your oxygen mask on fuck that I'm investigating <laughs> <laughs> there's a, bit, a little bit of that like it starts to creep in here and it pervades the rest of the film as this kind of like oh, I'm, I'm Tom Cruise I'm a Scientologist and this was let's put this in perspective this was around that time remember that video came out it was leaked mm-hmm. and it had the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack underneath it which is like the base for um, the Limp Biscuit song yeah. and this was where he was talking about you know if you're a Scientologist and you go past a car crash you have to stop because you are the only one that can help <laughs> and it was that same mentality and remember that when you're watching the rest of this film because <laughs> you'll start to see it come back again and again so he breaks the doctor's neck and then peels his face off to reveal of course I'm not a bad guy I'm too awesome <laughs> for that <laughs> it's Dougary Scott all along who at least has Would you say he takes his face off? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so we get introduced to Dougie Scott in the full Glen Rothis accent. <laughs> <laughs> full booming Glen Rothis. <laughs> Do you notice that um, Wolf's getting like one of the henchmen is Ethan from Lost? Yeah, I did. Two yeah. Ethans in here. <laughs> you know what kind of cracked me up as well is as they all go to like jump out the plane because they've now stolen the chimera yeah, virus, the virus and the antigen you might have to keep me right with the plot in this film because yeah. I didn't take any <laughs> notes that weren't about Tom Cruise <laughs> um, yeah there's as they're flying they're getting a, a warning sign because the crew start to wake up because it's gas which apparently lasts <laughs> four minutes <laughs> set amount of time <laughs> so which is quite you know if you're on a tight time frame you know, you've got to get off the ship and, you know, kill the doctor and things like that. You might want to give yourself a little bit more time there, Sean Ambrose. <laughs> but yeah, there's a warning on the plane that says, Warning, terrain. Warning, terrain. <laughs> That's not a real alarm. <laughs> warning, bird. <laughs> warning, terrain wouldn't even make sense if you think about, like, what War- happens when it comes into land. <laughs> warning terrain <laughs> then you take off again no warning sky <laughs> warning clouds <laughs> warning ejecting captain <laughs> you're right why bother having the cabin crew though wake up seconds before impact wouldn't it be better if it just kind of ended like that and you were like oh so obviously that went down and then when they show you the pictures later on it would be more like of an impact you're like wow all those people did die then or if one of them was didn't put the gas on and was just injured by them and he was just like no like yeah. like Ironhide in Transformers the movie <laughs> and Sean yeah. Rose would be like such heroic nonsense <laughs> shit him with his, his hand handgun <laughs> yeah his arm gun nah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Transformers the movie quite a lot <laughs> But instead, it comes up like this comic kind of like, ah, there's a mountain! <laughs> and then, how's this for cross symmetry in your film? From one mountain to another. <laughs> <laughs> That's the 
the mountain that Tom Cruise is climbing, isn't it? Without ropes or fucking fuck all? No. Fuck no, off. No, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that, there was a lot of talk about that at the time, wasn't there? That he'd, he'd done it all without any kind of safety net and all this stuff. I, I don't believe that. No. <laughs> That's totally a PR stunt. An insurance company would never allow that. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it this bit as well he does a slow-mo jump from one part of the rock to another it's like kind of like yeah get used to this <laughs> <laughs> we're in for a slow-mo ride <laughs> do you think if uh, they took all the slow-mo out of this film it would have been like an hour and a half <laughs> yeah and it would probably be better for it <laughs> what is up with the music in a scene do you remember it can't really remember it it's, it's very eastern Hawaiian I would say Oh, yeah, no, I do remember this, yes. You know what? Tom Cruise can just keep his Fire Island party CD away from the soundtrack. <laughs> I was expecting, you know, when he, he like he's hanging on by his fingertips and then he like flips across and ends up like with his back to the rock with his arms holding him up. Yeah. I was expecting some ridiculous aerobatics to like <laughs> get him up on the rock, like some kind of overhead flip or something. You know what would be really great? As if when he was climbing, he was like swearing the whole time. He's like, "Why the fuck did I do this?" <laughs> and looking down like, "Fuck, fuck, 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 fuck!" <laughs> I'm such a fucking idiot. No ropes. <laughs> I'm too high to fall now. <laughs> if only I had an earphone thing and I could phone my mom to come and pick me up. <laughs> now you know what would have been handy here, Grant. Would have been Spock with some booster shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <Shoes on. laughs> to catch him. Yep. <laughs> Hi, Tandy Newton. Mind if I drop in for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> this is our second second film in a row with rock climbing. <laughs> the very start. And, yeah, in the first five minutes. <laughs> It'd be good if Cyborg had broken that bald guy's neck at the start of Star Trek Men started laughing. <laughs> Okay, Cra- right. crash these camels in the mountain. <laughs> we seem to be falling into the Star Trek Five traffic. We need to get away for that. It's going to forever pervade our thoughts. So he get he gets up on top of the big rock that he's climbing. Then he gets a rocket fired at him from a helicopter, and doesn't flinch, and instead shrugs his shoulders and looks down at it because <laughs> he knows it's just a message inside it because he's getting airmail come on <laughs> come on that nope. is a solid joke <laughs> nope nope <laughs> denied <laughs> <laughs> would you do that if you were a secret agent undercover in a helicopter <laughs> a helicopter came down next to you with a rocket launcher <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're running like there's no tomorrow that must be my co-workers <laughs> Ah, Steve from office. <laughs> My co-workers often have a rocket launcher when I'm nearby. <laughs> Just fuck off, Tom Cruise, you smarmy fucker. I'm going to fire this at you if you don't fuck off. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins making his debut next, don't we? Yeah. In the voice of the glasses. He's kind of on autopilot, isn't he? Yeah. He's like, look, up here for two, two, three scenes in this film. If you include the one where he's doing the voice for the glasses... I hate Anthony Hopkins. I hate him. Well, I think he's the most overrated actor in Hollywood. And Mel Gibson aside, I'd like uh, I'd like it if in, in the scene where he does actually turn up, he was Hannibal Lecter. Like they just crossed those characters at each other. 
I'd like it if he was. And he just ate Tom Cruise. If he was, you know that film where he's a ventriloquist. I'd like it if he was that. <laughs> Should I, I've got a message for you. It just says it all through the dummy. <laughs> you have got to talk to her in Tandy Newton. <laughs> and make her fall in love with you in five seconds. Can do. <laughs> I wish the original Hannibal Lecter had been Anthony Hopkins' character, though. Who, Brian Cox? Yep. <laughs> oh, just get some Brian Cox in here. Yeah, I'm with you now, definitely. <laughs> Tom, I've got a mission for you. <laughs> nice to see you, Dougray. <laughs> There's a jute mill on fire. <laughs> and there's only three buckets of water. I need you to come down and whip the tea into a frenzy. <laughs> <laughs> you know a line I really hate in this bit is when Tom Cruise says they say next time when he says next time you go on holiday tell us where you're going <laughs> and he says um, if I let you know where I'm going it's not a holiday it's like whoa you zinged him there Tom Cruise <laughs> but I've got two quick points to make one who are you talking to <laughs> because it's not a two way conversation <laughs> he's a Scientologist <laughs> <laughs> and two they found you <laughs> You've been just as well telling them. <laughs> it would have made no difference. <laughs> anyway, it's now been seven minutes of screen time, and he doesn't have a love, love interest yet. <laughs> so he's off to a swanky party. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we better get some women in here. Generic love interest number two. <laughs> well, first we have uh, a scene of some Spanish dancers, don't we? Oh, we do. Some Spanish dancers wearing Tom Cruise's Cuban heels. <laughs> I don't like how this Spanish music then becomes a recurring theme throughout. Like, yeah. say, when they're in the car and it's like the dance between them, so you hear the Spanish music again. Yes. And then it plays again to remind you, hey, they had some pretty fun times earlier. Back in Spain. <laughs> Back when he wasn't begging her to be a prostitute for him. <laughs> she uses a little device, doesn't she? Oh, she's trying to steal something. Yeah. A necklace. But yeah. she uses this little device. And I wasn't sure if she was using that to find the necklace. Or if she was just using... Maybe it was a gaydar? <laughs> <laughs> is Tom Cruise near? Yes, yes he is. <laughs> My note for when she does her runner, eventually, is... No Scientology brainwash medicine for me. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you know it's the bit where um, he takes the, the necklace out and... Well, she takes the necklace out and gives it back, and then they yeah. have that bit of argument. And then he goes, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and tries to. He's like, What are you saying sorry for? That terrible impression. <laughs> he does these. I told snakes up on her as well. He just appears out of nowhere. Yeah. I guess maybe his invisibility powers do work. <laughs> <laughs> do you like the sexual chemistry bit where she falls on him? Or he falls on her, and then she wants to be on top? She's like, Do you mind if I'm on top? Yeah, and his reply uh, to believe is actually, have you seen the bit in Brokeback Mountain <laughs> where Heath Ledger flips <laughs> Michelle Williams over and does it from behind? Kind of more interested in that. That's more my kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> we must mention Brokeback Mountain in every, every episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you said he says sorry. Yeah. <laughs> is it after he sets off the alarm to Yeah. Even though he's helped her to know. <laughs> I think it's just to see how good she was. It's 
But he's the head security guard, apparently. Yeah. yeah. So presumably he just got hired that night. <laughs> There's a break in that night. <laughs> yep, and the person almost gets away. <laughs> the person does get away. Well, yeah, but they don't know that. Yeah. So, from their point of view. <laughs> Do you think they're like waiting for him for the rest of this film? Going like, <laughs> Where's Tom Cruise? We hired him ages ago. We hired him to guard, to guard a necklace that costs half a million. Sight unseen. <laughs> I don't know if we checked his references very thoroughly, but <laughs> half a million as well. It's not the most expensive necklace I've heard of. I know inflation may have hit a bit, but come on. Yeah, he hires her, but he knows that, like you know, when she takes the necklace back out from between her ample bosom, <laughs> her heaving bosom. <laughs> Um, he just wants no he's like not touching it <laughs> have you seen where that's been <laughs> I don't know what kind of sweat she's been doing in that but then he starts immediately stalking her well he, he follows her in a car and changes night into day yeah he does because that that whole chase scene's yeah. in daytime yeah it is whereas they left the nightclub in dark well he's found out her number as well because he phones her and she's like I don't even know my number how did you get this number? <laughs> I had a restraining order. <laughs> he is smarmy and insufferable. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> Do you think... Like... I'm not, I'm not sure of the physics of this, but if two cars were driving side by side, mm-hmm. 100 miles an hour each... Yeah. You're not going to be hear, hearing each other talking from car to car, are you? Run on! <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I said I want you to pull over and join me working for the Mission Impossible team or whatever we're called. <laughs> Except they just talk to each other about the volume you and I are talking to each other. <laughs> they do. But we have to mention the incredibly terrible scene which comes up next, don't we? The car. Which is when the cars, like, I don't know, lock together and then <clears throat> spin perfectly in a circle but moving along the road. And that's the bit where the dance music shows back up. Yeah. And they're kind of looking at each other worriedly. But with a degree of, let's have sex soon. Yeah. <laughs> this is tense. <laughs> <laughs> spinning like this is getting me wet. It's spinning around in cars, is that technically a meat cute? <laughs> you know that term? No, I don't want a meat cute. That's when in a romantic comedy, when you meet in a cute way, and you know that the characters will be together by the end of the film if that's the case oh, right. no no I don't that's a hell of a meet you spinning round with their cars in her lock <laughs> this com- poor other drivers though yeah many probably died because <laughs> I know we're near the stunt drivers <laughs> Tom Cruise and uh, Tandy Newton are so just just to sum up the relationship to this point he's tried to have her arrested he's found out her phone number without her knowledge Pursued he's, her in a car. He's pursued her in a car, pushed her car off the road, nearly ran her off a cliff. Yep. She starts kissing him. <laughs> well, this again is the the whole little Scientologist leaked video, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Where when you see a car crash, you're the only person that can help. <laughs> and he is the only person that can help, and he is the only person that does help. He did cause it, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part that they missed out of that Scientology video, you see. <laughs> Even if you cause it, you have to stop and help. <laughs> if you shoot somebody, you should at least phone for an ambulance. <laughs> this is maybe about the point where I started vomiting vigorously as well. <laughs> Which is when he wakes up in the morning, 
and he just starts pawing at her face. <laughs> it's like, could I make a mask of your face and wear it to a nightclub? <laughs> That's what he's really doing, Greg. He's like, could I look like you and pick up men? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the fake skin. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm pretty sure I can get that little scanner thing in here. <laughs> Scan your face, wear it, go out to a nightclub, pick up some hot dudes. <laughs> You know when we eventually come to do our Don't Jump the Shark Award? Yeah. Can we, we have a category for most awkward delivery of a line ever by a leading man? <laughs> when Tom Cruise says to Tandy Newton, Damn, you're beautiful. <laughs> Not believing that for a second, Grant. <laughs> She's like, Thank you for trying. <laughs> Almost believed you. <laughs> you're a fucking actor. This is a beautiful woman. <laughs> Do you notice he wakes up with a hangover as well, though? Hmm. Why does he wake up with a hangover? Is it too, too <laughs> much drink driving and too... <laughs> too much cocktails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Did he pay for those cocktails with the colour of money? No, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> no, no, he got them free. He was the top gun. <laughs> was he a last samurai? No. <laughs> <laughs> was one of the cocktails a vanilla sky? <laughs> Continuing these jokes is just missing impossible ground. <laughs> yeah, and then Tony Hopkins shows up. Mm-hmm. Can I have my paycheck now? <laughs> Will I'm you s- give me the paycheck, Mr. Cruz? <laughs> I've sent my two lines, now pay me. <laughs> I've got some serious boozing to do. <laughs> Gonna find candy killing and chilling. <laughs> That's not very nice as a recovering alcoholic. <laughs> Okay, so Anthony Hopkins shows him some of the information that he's got to have to, to have this mission, right? Now, I have two problems with this scene. One, who do you get to design super secret organisations' logos? <laughs> Is there an in-house guy that's just got insane clearance? <laughs> and he's just, a, he's just a graphic designer. <laughs> like in my work, there's a guy called Hamish that does that. <laughs> like an IT guy. Like Fred or something. And secondly, if it was a top secret organisation, would you plaster it all across the background? <laughs> or would you just have some inane picture? Especially considering they disavow all knowledge of their agents. Yeah, precisely. And it is one of the most top secret organisations. You, know, you know what I find weird about this scene as well? Is that neither Ethan Hunt or Anthony Hopkins, his character, whatever he might be called, uh, are surprised that Sean Ambrose is behind it. Why send him in the first place? Well, it's not like... You know in um, uh, the Bourne films? When they're like, it's Bourne! And they have that kind of shock and, oh no, we've created something that's come back to kill us. Isn't that the reaction they should be having right yeah. now? Instead why, of... Why send yeah. them in the first place? If they if they don't trust them completely, <laughs> we've got this virus that could destroy the Earth. Shall we send the guy we don't really like? Yeah. You know, that weird yeah. Scottish guy. Well, the other guy's climbing on fucking mountains someplace. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why they had to. We couldn't find you, so we had to send him. It's all his fault. <laughs> if we hadn't went on holiday, or just told them where he was going, it would have been fine. So the next thing that Tony Hopkins says is... What does that say for mountain safety, actually? You might tell somebody what mountain you're climbing. <laughs> so that if you get lost, the mountain rescue can come in to help you. <laughs> and he was not adequately dressed. No. That place would... Even though it would be warm during the day, it'd be cold at night. It'd be freezing. <laughs> he's still got to go all the way down after he's climbed up that rock, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm changing my jump the shark moment. Give me a pen. 
Yeah, so they're like, you've got to use Tandy Newton as a prostitute. Honey trap, I kind of thought. Bait. A little yeah. bit of yeah. honey trap sort of thing. This film's got a bit of an attitude towards women, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much, you're disposable. You're an asset in the field. <laughs> What's your feelings on when a film says its title within the film? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying earlier on when they were like, Mission Possible! Because, <laughs> yeah, this is the bit where he says it. It's this bit... is not Mission yeah. Possible, it's Mission Impossible! Yeah. I'm not a fan of it. I only like it when it's fantasy or like sci-fi or something like that. Something where the film title is oblique enough that you can actually fit it in without it sounding stupid. Like District 9. <clears throat> or Return of the King is a good example of that. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think Fellowship is quite good the way they work that in. It's, it's kind of like... Do you know I think it's kind of like um, when bands write a song and the name of the song is the name of the band? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like as a bold move, you've got to be sure it's going to be one of your best songs. Yeah, and like the same way, like naming it in a film is you've got to be sure that it's going to be a good moment and it's not going to come across hackneyed, which it does. Yeah. So then he starts saying, "We're going to send her into the field," and Tom Cruise is like, "No, she has no training," and I, I am in love with her <laughs> after one night. <laughs> I want her to be my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> if only she just started holding her hand. Because <laughs> I imagine that's what they did all night. <laughs> We're going steady. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he's like, I don't want to send her. It's really, really tough. I don't. And, but Anthony Hopkins is like really harshly, like kind of. She doesn't need training for what she's going in for. She's just cock teasing him. <laughs> she's well versed in that, I hear. <laughs> Fucking Tandy Newton. She can go to hell. <laughs> Come on, Tom, you should know about this cocktail. <laughs> you see the scene where she's leaving, it's like a courthouse or something? Because the, the whole plot is like, you know, if we flag up that she's been arrested, then he'll use his, his kind of contacts and that to get her back. Um, so she leaves the courthouse. Because it's kind of implied that he'll break her out of wherever she is, or like get her out. So we see. I'm going to cut between a couple of bits here because we see her come out of the courthouse, and we see Tom Cruise watching her, and then like she's not arrested then. So why does it, like why does she need help? And then the next thing we see is we see her on like a speedboat on the back of a speedboat, and I was like, is this a speedboat to jail? <laughs> is he going to break her off with a speedboat in jail no it just drives to his compound yeah, it's a speedboat to Sean Ambrose but you know she's lost all her money but she can still afford a speedboat <laughs> <laughs> but she's got to arrive in style right? <laughs> I love Tom Cruise's looks whenever he's seen her though it's like oh it's like the the room or something like that <laughs> you're tearing me apart Lisa <laughs> you're tearing me apart Tandy Newton <laughs> Oh hi Mark. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise totally would say that. <laughs> oh, hi Mark. <laughs> I love is um you know we're talking about she goes to the, in the speedboat to see Diggory Scott. Yeah. There's a bit where Diggory Scott really evilly catches a scarf in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> He's obviously a bad guy. He he snatched that scarf out of the air. <laughs> 
It's the only way I can describe it, the way he does it. It's easily. Yeah. <laughs> Aye, because there's a total sting in the music that goes with it. Well. You think, oh my God, he caught that scarf. <laughs> if, he, if, if he's that rough with a scarf, imagine what he's going to be like to her. <laughs> and all this time, Tom Cruise is watching this, is observing this from a satellite in space. <laughs> but where... He, his actual base operations is Uncle Tom's Outback Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a ranch in the middle of nowhere. But him and Ving Rhames staying together. Yeah, and some third character called Billy. Who's Australian. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's set in Australia, that's the rule. There's <laughs> <laughs> got to be at least one Australian in it. He can go fuck himself. I hate that character. Who, Billy? Yeah. He <laughs> just there's comic relief. So Ving Rhames is really worthy introduction for an actor of his magnitude steps in dog poop yeah kangaroo poop or whatever they have in Australia <laughs> wallaby <laughs> koala poop yeah so he starts watching her <laughs> as if he isn't creepy enough he's, he's like constantly monitoring her now I must know where you are at all times and he comes out with a pretty good joke you know after this film finishes by the way yeah. He's totally leaving that GPS in her, isn't he? <laughs> so he can track her down anywhere. Just get my computer out. Where is she? I thought you said you were at the shops. <laughs> lunch with the girls. <laughs> they don't do lunch in pubs. <laughs> oh, they do. Oh, right, sorry. Never been in one. <laughs> There's a, a kind of a bit of a gay joke that's made here as well. It's kind of like, done like a kind of, hey, leave it kind of joke. But then, um, then the next line is... <laughs> They're talking about the Grey Scott's compound, and they go, "We don't know what he's got, what size it is, and what he's doing in Sydney with it." <laughs> yeah, like you really not laid off that gay joke, have you? <laughs> I'd imagine Tom Cruise would be quite interested in those things. <laughs> so yeah, Degree Scott starts kissing Tanya Newton, and Tom Cruise is like. Ew, he's kissed a girl. <laughs> but the Australian guy is well up for it. He's like, whoa, check this out. He's kissing your mother. <laughs> Look at that Sheila getting kissed. <laughs> Let me tie her kangaroo down. <laughs> Sport. <laughs> you know how we gave that award to the most awkward line delivery earlier? Mm-hmm. For the second year's <laughs> can we give it to another line from this film? What line is it? It's when they say, "Well, we hope she does. I hope we hope she does well on <laughs> this mission and all. You know, she does. She has no training and all. So we hope she does all right. Let's, let's hope she does well." And Tom Cruise says, "We just threw a snowball into hell." <laughs> <laughs> is not is not like the next line after that not something like let's see how quickly it melts yeah <laughs> they should have just gone whole hog and went for Ben Stiller's impression of this film this mission just got a whole lot more impossible <laughs> <laughs> there's can we have a if we're having awards for that then can we have awards for least convincing portrayal of an emotion <laughs> which is <laughs> Degree Scott's pretend amazement when she takes her clothes off, which is just the most comic thing ever. It's like open jaw, staring, gopping, <laughs> and just be like, wow. <laughs> you have so changed since the last time I seen you again. <laughs> when did you get them? <laughs> How long have you had a tattoo of Tom Cruise's face? <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't even know I had that. God, boy, those drugs were pretty strong you gave me. <laughs> Seen hands off, Sean. <laughs> hands off, Duggery. <laughs> he is giving it the full fiver at this bit, though. Yeah. He's a bit this of a is, This ball. is the bit where he says, sort it. It's sorted. <laughs> sorted. <laughs> the other guy's accent's even better, though, eh? The South African accent. Do you like bricks? <laughs> Please do not uh, cut off my uh, finger. <laughs> Don't cut that off. Don't cut that off. I need that. <laughs> He does say one thing, though, talking to Phil Pfeiffer, he does say one thing that I don't think he would have said if he was in Fife. He says, uh, we'll have to see how far we get before we get nicked. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, he wouldn't say nicked, he'd say lifted. Yeah. <laughs> there's something he's, there's something else he says just after that that is very Pfeiffer, though. What's that? Where he's like, who cares if I give her a ride or two? <laughs> I'm gagging for it. <laughs> <laughs> she's a pure ride <laughs> she's totally a ride <laughs> so they go to the races slow they? motion horses <laughs> John Wu presents Channel 4's <laughs> racing <laughs> we have something you mentioned that you hated in the last film though Grant again here what's that binocular cam <laughs> <laughs> times two <laughs> Because we have them looking both at each other through binoculars. You know why I hate that, though? I hate that for a different reason this time. Why is that? I hate it because there's not a race on. You'd be like, who's she looking at? Yeah. Like, just... Why does she even need to use the binoculars? Maybe it's that other guy over there with binoculars. Who's looking at her. Yeah. <laughs> She's just giving a game away. I also hate it because he's got those futuristic binoculars as well. Yeah. That say, like, he's times Star 20 Trek yeah. <laughs> He's got Dr. McCoy's... <laughs> It's going to slowly infect him and he's going to hate Vulcans. I'm a Scientologist, I don't like Vulcans. We Goddamn green blooded bastard. Because he does come from another alien planet, doesn't he? Originally. What's that planet called again? I can't remember. I can remember it's Thetans that they think are the evil spirits that live inside him, and it's Xenu that they think is the evil guy that put the spirits in there. But Warrior Princess? <laughs> she did not. She wasn't a nice person after that series got cancelled, right? <laughs> Hey, she was in Battlestar Galactica and she was Spartacus she was also in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm mm-hmm. so withdraw that remark <laughs> I'd like a a spin-off film if I could Go starring ahead. Brendan Gleeson yeah <laughs> Brendan Gleeson is John McCoy <laughs> P.I. <laughs> that is a P.I.'s name I love it I just kind of wish he was playing this character from in Bruges <laughs> the ruthless hitman or Mad-Eye Moody that'd be yeah. pretty funny <laughs> Even his character from uh, Gangs of New York. <laughs> I like Dougie Scott looks pretty minted in this scene, though. With his black suit with the dark green shirt and <laughs> matching tie. And a waistcoat. I'm a big fan of waistcoats. Waistcoats look nice. You can get a good waistcoat. It looks, pulls it off nicely. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. He's a wee pocket watch in there, though, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. And, and a Monaco on a top hat. <laughs> and a potion to turn him into Mr. Hyde. <laughs> Tending you to be hammering on the door. You're not turning into Mr. Hyde in there, are you? Put a sock in it! <laughs> As he says earlier. Uh, earlier? Later. Put a sock in it! I'm getting my gun off! <laughs> <laughs> so the plot here is he has to steal a memory card. Well, she, yeah, she lifts a memory card out of his pocket, doesn't she? Yeah. 
and because there's obviously something that he's shown Brendan Gleeson's character on it that's got him upset. So, can I ask you something though? Yeah. If they know where, if they know that Sean Ambrose is behind it, uh-huh. and they know Sean Ambrose is working with X, Y, and Z, and they know where Sean Ambrose lives, why did they need Tandy Newton to go in in the first place? I'd imagine it's because you can't think of anything. Can you? <laughs> I'd imagine it's because. He's got a biological weapon there. <laughs> I know they have to be careful, but, you know, they're government agents. Or whatever the fuck they are. I think... Well, Maybe they should go to the real government. This is a pretty big issue. The ridiculous kind of fight at the end seems to suggest that he... And it's never said explicitly throughout the film, which would make it a hell of a lot better. Which is that he's the only person that could take on that person. <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, she's stealing that memory card, and oh Naya, that's Tandy Newton's character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is. Because <laughs> at this point, uh, this is the adventures of Naya, the Bralis super spy. And <laughs> Ethan Hunt's just sitting there with some binoculars, perving out. Yep. <laughs> and Ving Rhames getting sweaty while he runs him out. <laughs> He's just run ten feet. <laughs> it is enough for him. And on this memory card, which goes into the back of a digital camera. We seem to get lots of video. <laughs> yeah. I tend to think it's kind of obvious when they show you video cameras in films versus cameras in films. Now, we all know they can do both nowadays, but they tend to really tell us that. 2000? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Would they be able to do both? Yeah. That security guard would so press charges, though, eh? the one that gets randomly assaulted. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that that guy thinks he's getting away with that. <laughs> What's the spank me scene? It's she turns round and demands it's like she's not to turn round and speak to him because then it's too obvious. That That's like, right. So she's like, "Well, why don't you spank me?" And Ving Rain shows up and like, <laughs> in an instant. <laughs> Did I hear white guys spanking each other? <laughs> There's really no need for that. So, that whole scene. I mean, what does it do? Is it a little bit of sexual tension between the two of them? Be great if. They had a face-on, face-off scene here where Ring Rames showed off as Tom Cruise and he was like, yeah, I'm quite happy to spank you. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Bend over. <laughs> you sound like Ving Rames, not Tom Cruise. Oh, wait a minute. <clears throat> it wasn't this big the last time. <laughs> <laughs> or this black. <laughs> it wasn't this enjoyable the last time. <laughs> You've clearly had sex with a woman before. <laughs> not like it was the last time. <laughs> Well, you just cried. (laughs) (laughs) So we see the evidence of this, like, terrible biological weapon and the infection that it creates with people. The people, when they're dying, just look like they've got powdered sugar on them. (laughs) But then we go back to more horse racing and back to more slow-mo. Yeah. No need for that, either. Then it's Brendan Gleeson and his chauffeur. Yep. George. (laughs) Typical chauffeur name. <laughs> because Ren Gleason get, gets kidnapped, right? Uh-huh. By the Mission Impossible guys disguising themselves as the vaguely European doctor. Yes. Who really, that really confused me at first because that character yes. is dead. <laughs> and <laughs> Brendan Gleason's character knows he's dead. Yeah, and when he first comes in, they film it like he's a ghost. Yes. <laughs> so that's why, it, that's why it confused us, John Woo. Not because we're idiots. <laughs> because he should be a ghost, because he's dead, we know he's dead, and so does Brendan Gleeson's character. Brendan Gleeson, 
like uh, they've gotten a lot of trouble with this. Like for example, they've printed a fake newspaper telling of his death. Yep. <laughs> they've gotten a lot of effort. <laughs> what did they have to make up the rest of the stories in the newspaper? Right, Ving Rooms, you're on the cookery section this week. <laughs> <laughs> they do this with every every mission they go on. It's like they put, put them on the wall newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> they fit up in the notice board at the end of it. So Brendan Gleeson gives us a bit of CEO exposition here, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> and tells us kind of like all about the disease and the amount of hours and stuff that you've got to get the drug within, and then that kind of makes sense as to why the guy had injected himself on the plane. And we make sure your eye fall out and your leg fall off, which is going to make fighting Lord Voldemort quite hard. <laughs> But then he comes out and he peels his face off and it's Tom Cruise. But at the same time, and before that peel appears, mm-hmm. we see Tandy Newton thinking that she's done her mission and trying to run away from the compound where she gets... She bumps into... Bumped into what she believes is Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Just put it out there. Ethan Cunt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then... We have two face peels quite close to each other. Mm-hmm. One revealing that it was Dougie Scott that was looking like Ethan Hunt and told her that her mission wasn't quite over. And the other one being Einstein peeling off his face and actually being Tom Cruise. So then we know it's been a double cross. What a twist. Yeah. <sighs> it's, I, I don't like the bit with Andy Newton though because it's very much of the oh I'm just a silly girl getting all scared I need a, a big strong man to put me in his arms and just make everything all better <laughs> okay Robert Town we know you've got wishes for women I've seen Chinatown <laughs> seriously it's time to see a therapist <laughs> we have the two crews then planning a mission into a building the 42nd floor of this building because that's the meaning of life <laughs> and Tom Cruise is going to go in through the top hole and <laughs> and they're going to go in through the bottom hole well, I'm with Sean Ambrose on this Sean Ambrose is like you know you just wrap off a few security guards problem solved mm-hmm. they're spending millions on their way in <laughs> they're like we've got to go in through these vents and it gives us 60 seconds and you've got to drop in on a wire and Howling Mad Murdoch couldn't have held that helicopter so still <laughs> that, it, that the the cable wouldn't have moved about at all. Yet somehow the pilot manages to keep it perfectly still. Doesn't move up or down. Just to give us some fake tension too. It's like, will the doors open in time? Someone, maybe you could just wait until they do. <laughs> <laughs> then jump. Or just stop yourself just above it. Then go down. Yeah. Lower me down a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> If he was that worried, he would just start flying up the way. <laughs> the pilot. <laughs> to counteract the rope. <laughs> My next note, by the way, is thank heavens the cable made it out in one piece. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would have been such a problem. Yeah. I mean, well, the Presumably the vents just would have closed and cut the cable. Or closed and then when they felt something in between them opened again. Because think how many burns must get trapped in there. <laughs> Dramatic. <laughs> And then we'll remember... There's a winch thing, then there's the laser. Just beat up the guards. <laughs> it's got no problem with it later. It's cost him 46 grand thus far. Whereas it's cost, it's cost Sean Ambrose a couple of pounds for a couple of Aye, so magazines of gun, <laughs> gun boots. But they even just, like, you just punch their way up, don't you? 
It's pretty much yeah. Just knock and it out. takes them two minutes, and not the weeks and weeks of planning. <laughs> and they get to take a lift. <laughs> <laughs> but we're reminded that Tom Cruise is, of course, a tomcat, and he always lands on his feet <laughs> or his cubic heels at least, <laughs> and uh, just constantly throughout the rest of this film. Anytime he's doing anything stealthy, he's just constantly going. When he's in this spacesuit thing that he goes into now for whatever reason. I think it's supposed to be like a radiation suit that he goes into. But it's a spacesuit. It's like a diving suit. Well, I think it's like Robocop. (laughs) But we have slow-mo walking here. Like when he's in that suit, we have slow-mo walking. The line, though, um, you know, when it cuts back to Vin Rames and Australian Billy or whatever he's called. Yeah. Where he's got to work very fast. So, yeah, can we cut... The slow-mo a little bit there. <laughs> it's going to get a move on, come on. <laughs> You're kind of taking the dramatic tension away a little bit here. <laughs> and he, he gets into the chamber where they have the... The gunfight. Well, before they have the gunfight, he has a gunfight with some bacteria, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, he does. Because <laughs> he has to get rid of some bugs. That's pretty dramatic too. Oh, and he's firing it into that killing <laughs> cylinder and it's going... I've never seen bugs get destroyed, but I'm pretty sure they just heat it up. It's basically him pushing buttons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's tense. Gunfight, though. Yep. Somehow always better when it's pointed at Chow Yun-Fat. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I don't know if he can dive across that room with those guns firing up, but it's Tom Cruise, you're like, ah, he's fucking bulletproof, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Classic bad guy mistake, though. Okay, guys, plan. Let's attack him one by one. <laughs> And then let's stop and have a negotiation whilst he has time to plan his next move. <laughs> you know, another action movie cliche, which I've never really thought about until I watched this film, is the big bad guy always has a tiny, tiny gun. <laughs> well, how about this for another one? The good guy has an 120 bullet clip in his gun. Yeah, yeah. He certainly <laughs> does a mess. It's like being a handgun. <laughs> And it's got one of these bad guy bits as well. Hold your fire. I want to deal with this myself. <laughs> that was in uh, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> General Grievous. Yeah. <laughs> I'll deal with this Jedi slime myself. Do you think uh, Dougie Scott's made out of pure gasoline? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good if he died the same way. <laughs> Shot with a blaster. <laughs> <laughs> Burned alive <laughs> by Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> no, because even though this film's like a fifteen or an eighteen or whatever, it's, there's a, a lot less violence in it than there was in Star Wars Episode Three. How about the music at this bit? Is it not just generic dance music? No, a lot of scratching going on. Was <laughs> <laughs> it to go with the limp biscuit right in the soundtrack? <laughs> <laughs> this is also where he says that line that we've kind of hinted at a few times. Put a sock in it. <laughs> I thought you were meaning the get your gun off <laughs> which also appears at this part put a sock in it <laughs> there's also the line that you were just like a pure fife it's just like they're shooting at they're shooting at Tom Cruise but by like default they're also shooting at the virus like injector thing mm. and he's like stop doing that or you'll spray virus all over the place we're <laughs> <laughs> gonna get virus all over me you pricks <laughs> <laughs> hey, these are new Kangol trousers again. <laughs> <laughs> no brand, Tandy Newton, I noticed. <laughs> That's the second thing you've noticed. <laughs> or has she still not got it on for the races? <laughs> I noticed that a lot. <laughs> you know what I do like about Diggory Scott, though? Oh, sure. I love the way he says hunt 
as if it's rhyming slang. He's always like, come on, hunt. <laughs> come on, hunt, you're a total hunt. <laughs> he's saying it like he's at a football match. Yeah. <laughs> come on, ref, hunt him, dude. I actually don't mind Degree's cutting his film at all. He plays like a broadly painted bad guy, but there's nothing he does that I'm particularly like, oh, other than that look earlier on when he was like, she's hot. He, he can catch a scarf like no other. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the kind of money that they're holding out here for, Grant? Do you remember the total from this film? No. Yeah. The money that they're holding out for is £37 million. Pounds wow. Split between... 700 guys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also got to pay off the rent on that private, like, compound that he's got. He <laughs> makes some sort of comment about women being monkeys here as well, though. Is that after she injects her arm? No, it's before that. Because she li- right literally does that. become a test monkey. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's what she does. She injects it in herself. The last dose. And... Uh, Sean Ambrose becomes old Timothy Dalton for a second he's like you bitch (laughs) (laughs) bloody bitch expecting a slapper (laughs) Timothy Dalton in Flash Gordon is a very bitch-tastic performance (laughs) bloody bitch and Tom Cruise really shows us all up doesn't he here because as soon as she injects herself he manages to find the stopwatch function on his watch (laughs) and set it to 20 hours (laughs) It's not quite 20 hours, it's 19 hours, 58 minutes, which is like a less memorable spin-off of 24. (laughs) You've got 19 hours and 58 minutes to solve this case, Jack. (laughs) Where is the bomb? I could have solved this if I only had a few more hours. (laughs) If only I had an extra four hours and two minutes. Where is the bomb? (laughs) So she says, I did it to save your life. Not really, because she says... He says to her, even, you know, after you give him that, he's just going to kill you. And she Seriously. goes, Yeah. So, by oh. her injecting her arm, she's saving her life. <laughs> Although putting out of danger. Although, he's quite close to wanting to just put a bullet in her, isn't he? Ethan Hunt. Yeah, because he's like, Well, that's the most humane thing to do. Put you out your misery. <laughs> stupid, stupid woman. <laughs> but he knows there's a cure. Yeah. <laughs> and he's still contemplating putting a bullet in her. He's like, it's a lot of work to get that cure then. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he does another kind of action movie cliche, which is he, he throws a bomb towards a wall and then shoots the bomb, and instead of exploding equally all over the place, it explodes outward through the wall <laughs> and doesn't burn a single thing in the room. <laughs> So is this like an action scene? He wants to go and get the cure, so he starts going to beat some people up. Well, this is the bit where he jumps out the. He, he kind of shoots a little bit and then jumps out the hole in the wall. Yeah. Deploys his parachute and. Of loops. course, yeah. Because <laughs> he thought about that. <laughs> and then it cuts to him climbing the cliffs again, doesn't it? It's like, see, callback. This is a good movie. I find it weird as well that they're talking about. Oh, Naya's not with us. She thinks she's okay. Where is she? You know when to just use your tracker you've got? <laughs> Remember that tracker you spent ages talking about earlier? Injecting in her leg. Do you know what though as well? He says, uh, at the end of that planning meeting, he goes, right, but first things first. And then it just cuts to Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> so, first things first, Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. He starts beating up some people as well. This, oh. My note for here is, 
that was a wrestling move flip over and kick <laughs> he does he does he does a leg drop and he knocks somebody out by leg dropping them in the chest <laughs> he knocks someone out by slightly moving their head yeah he doesn't crack their neck <laughs> no. it must send up he must have sleeping powder on his legs or something <laughs> He made them sleepy with all that slow motion. That's gross. And then there's some discussion of finances that I just didn't pick up on what we're talking about in the slightest. It's like in Star Wars, you know, when you watch the first Star Wars reboot, yeah. like well, the, the first episode one, you're like, really trade organisations. Here you're like, really stock options. We're going to spend the rest of this film talking about stock options. And because it's a John Wayne film, there's some doves hanging about. <laughs> See, face off. <laughs> he also does like talking about like he does wrestling moves, right? But did you notice the football move that he does? Oh, is that the overhead kick? <laughs> <laughs> a bicycle kick. <laughs> but he's very well coordinated because one foot kicks them in the chest, and, and the other foot kicks them in the face. face. <laughs> that is pretty impressive. <laughs> That is flexibility. <laughs> to keep them. This man does some, yo- does some yoga. <laughs> it's just some ridiculous <laughs> shooting scene. Well, how about the bit where he explodes the door into where Dougie Scott is, and they're like, oh my god, he's still alive, and we're going to have to deal with that, and everyone just go and kill him, and then they want to deal with us anyway. <laughs> and, but Tom Cruise like just wanders past. He's just like, Hi. <laughs> I was hiding. <laughs> I'm just going this way. <laughs> so you can chase me if you like. He has that fight with the Australian, not the Australian, get the South African guy, yeah. and then quickly whips out his face mask machine, Ooh, scans does. the guy's face, puts the guy's face on, scans his face. Puts his face on the other guy, bandages up his mouth, <laughs> then drags him into the room dressed as Dougray Scott's top henchman. Yeah, who you apparently doesn't recognise. Because that is as fucking complicated as that is. <laughs> Do you remember your communications training at work? Yeah. Where you talk about things like non-verbal cues? Uh-huh. <laughs> if that was me, I'd be like, you're waving my arms around. No, 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 no. I am not him. But you know, he just sits there and takes it. Well, he's going to tries to talk through his broken jaw and looks at him. <laughs> oh, it's not broken, is it? Because they peel off the face and then find out he's got his mouth duct taped. Oh, right. Of course. It has happened like a hundred times already. The face peel, though, it's the most obvious twist ever. Yeah. Even though the film tries to convince you that Tom Cruise is dying. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> this is where we also have the line, run that bastard down. <laughs> run that bastard down. <laughs> He's more invulnerable at super than Superman by this point. Away. The bullets are just bouncing off him. <laughs> oh, we forgot, the, we forgot the line. You know when he has Tom Cruise on his knees? Or what we think is Tom Cruise, but it's actually like the henchman. Mm-hmm. He, he does say to Brendan Gleeson, now this is what's called getting your gun off. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> just kind of thinking that's what, that's what it's called when you get called getting your top gun off. <laughs> so he's not had been on a bike yet. So I guess... Nope. Time for some more slow-mo. Yeah. <laughs> what cool action movie thing haven't we done yet? Doves, check. 
Sleeper hold, check. <laughs> drop kick. He uses a drop kick at one point. <laughs> it does actually, doesn't yep. it? <laughs> I've actually got a list of them. Here's, there's drop kick and there's something else he used. <laughs> Pile driver. It's something really ridiculous, isn't it? It'd be funny if he did the tombstone. <laughs> so the bike, yeah. which he jumps through fire, and it dangerous. <laughs> and now the bad guy's got his own bike. Oh. Well, we've got some cars that come along before then. Some yeah. superfluous cars, which Ving Rhames attempts to blow up. But apparently he takes six hours to aim his weapon. <laughs> so every time he goes to aim his weapon, they shoot at him first, despite being in a car <laughs> with no view off the helicopter. At this point, I'm really feeling I'm getting slow motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it cuts to him shooting. His bike's clearly on the rig on the back of the truck, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's so steady. So clearly. Not going very fast either. And compare this to the motorbike bit in as much as we derided it, but the best part of it, the Matrix Reloaded. I thought you were going to say Wolverine. No. No, because, no come uh, on. <laughs> just because of the Degree Scott influence. No. This could have been you, Degree. <laughs> but think how much, like, intense, sort of, oh, this is a really good chasing they got from the Matrix, and then compare it to this, you're like, I don't really care. A truck, at one point, crashes into a car, and instead of it just getting mangled, it explodes. <laughs> kind of bizarre world is this we're in and then it's a world where you can put the do a wheelie on your motorbike and still be able to shoot <laughs> <laughs> well and, and on top of that do you remember the scene where he drives alongside the car and shoots the tyres of the car it starts to roll mm-hmm. and then he shoots the gas tank and it explodes mm-hmm. so that reminds you of the bit in the matrix where uh, Morpheus has his sword cuts through the tyres of the thingy it starts to roll over and he shoots it with his machine gun and it explodes it's almost exactly the same <laughs> oh house house I've got my final missing bit for my action movie cliche bingo oh what? <laughs> <laughs> that was the one you just said <laughs> although we could talk about getting off the bike to ski beside it <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's been watching too many videos of Asian men. <laughs> Broken ankles, anyone? <laughs> you ever seen the Asian guy that can like that's mm-hmm. like do these skiing alongside the bike and stuff? It's pretty good. You smell that, Ross? <laughs> smells like shite. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's getting to the point as well now where he's looking behind himself and not even look, not looking even, in front. <laughs> or he'll look in front, shoot behind, and hit him. <laughs> Ah, he does that with Diggory Scott, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. He hits his bike. He's like looking in the mirror and shooting these. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Would I be right in saying that like Diggory Scott hits his fuel line and yes. other than making this chase scene a little bit shorter, it doesn't really have too much effect. No. It doesn't come back <laughs> in it, really. No. Uh, unless, no, it maybe does actually later on, but we'll get to that. So, it's just down to the bikes now. <laughs> and they decide to go... Off road, despite being road bikes, yeah. and if you actually watch it, you can go. There's off road tires. Those are road tires. Those are off road tires. Those are road tires. You see the massive chunks on them and the bits of sand that are stuck in it. I love them jumping over each other. The way. Well, it's a bit more hot rod than evil. Than evil. <laughs> Is this when they do like the dueling bikes? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then the, the, like, 
the cherry on the cake of this scene has got to be them both jumping off the bikes and like chest bumping in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and then they fall at least, what would you say, 40, 50 feet? Mm-hmm. And instead of lying on the ground for a long time, get up and start fighting each other almost immediately. <laughs> They've just fallen 40 foot. <laughs> and Tandy Newton's been put on suicide watch or something. <laughs> yeah, he's like, guys, I don't like a phone call I just got from her. <laughs> you go and check, she's okay. <laughs> this killer virus is really getting to her. We've got to the moment with the dropkick, Grant. Because hmm. there's more wrestling moves coming here than anything else. We have uh, he rock bottoms on <laughs> the the rock's famous move. Then he drop kicks on. Then he uses some capoeira like Eddie Gordo in uh, in Tekken. <laughs> and then he uses some ridiculous Street Fighter kicks. <laughs> you know my favourite thing about this fight. What's that? Knowing that Hugh Jackman got the role of Wolverine instead, <laughs> and he got to be in better fights. <laughs> Do you not think as well, like, if he was really that in love with Tandy Newton's character, he would have just picked up the gun and shot him straight away. So that he could get to Tandy Newton to give her the antivirus sooner. Mm. Instead, he goes through this weird rigmarole of just yelling and hitting him for (laughs) 20 minutes. Taking a knife off him, and then instead of using it, just throwing it at his feet. That's weird the way that happens, though, because he's got the knife on him, and they switch positions. Like, he rolls so he's on top. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like I'm not entirely sure of the physics here. <laughs> quick Grant knife fight let's find out <laughs> <laughs> two podcasters were found dead today <laughs> one with a knife one without <laughs> oh there's one you didn't mention though what's that the cartwheel kick oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Really? A cartwheel kick? <laughs> it's just like there's two teenagers sitting in a bedroom somewhere with controllers just going, B, B, press the B button. <laughs> Up, down, left. That's the way to do it. <laughs> then a flying kick. <laughs> like, right after the cartwheel kick, it's a flying kick. Yeah, that was the drop kick. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if he just pulled out a Hadouken! <laughs> double, <laughs> double fist into the stomach. Diggory Scott hits him with a wire and pulls him over get over here <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a, a flashback to Tandy Newton being injected it's like, it was five minutes ago in the film we know we remember she's in peril <laughs> she's standing on the edge of the cliff you would have thought that would have been remembrance enough <laughs> it's weird though because he's got the opportunity to kill Sean Ambrose here yes several times let's be honest yeah but decides not to for love question mark I wasn't sure if it was that or like compassion or if he thought he was dead because he kind of beats him against the rock and he kind of doesn't move and I thought he was maybe just dead you'd put a bullet in him to make sure yeah of course you would he's an agent that's almost as good as Ethan Hunt that famously good agent (laughs) but what does he do oh instead what does Tom Cruise do because someone's got a gun trained on him he like, we'll just, like, let's just get this out of the way first before we even describe it Dougal Scott could shoot him at any point and chooses not to Yep. And but what does he do? Tom Cruise has his back to him Yeah. sees a gun in the sand manages to dig his foot under it kick it up out of the sand turn round, drop weight aim, shoot Dougal Scott who's lying down just aiming at him <laughs> with a steady base <laughs> 
and shoot him. Does he not shoot him in the head? Mm, he does. Is one of the shots not good with the head? Fuck the fucking fuckity fuck off. <laughs> it's That's only... my note for that bit. <laughs> my note for that bit is only a Scientologist could have pulled that off, Grant. Because <laughs> <laughs> he hypnotised him or something. <laughs> so Tandy Newton gets cured. Good, because that means this film's nearly over. <laughs> but not before we get a bizarre after-mission scene, like was painfully obvious in Ghost Protocol, is yeah. the... Bizarre park smooch scene. Oh no, you've also got Tony Hopkins showing up to berate him for not getting the virus that could kill millions of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you get that super weapon that we needed? Oh yeah, because you've got conscience. Oh goddammit. So you failed in your mission, basically. <laughs> if we Okay, well I guess that's why we call it Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a better way to use that line. <laughs> Next time we're sending a Catholic. <laughs> I'd feel so guilty about that. <laughs> so yeah, bizarre park smooch scene. Any notes on that? Um, just the fact that his line to her is "Let's get lost," and the director of the next film is J.J. Abrams. Ah, irony. <laughs> Don't think it was planned. <laughs> no. One of the things I did notice because I always like to watch the credits was a that Brian Cro- Brian Cox was credited in it at really? some point. Yeah, second electrical engineer, I think it was. Wow. <laughs> but you know, he takes any jobs that he can get. <laughs> <laughs> Typical guy for Dundee. <laughs> He's probably He's claiming the dole as well. <laughs> he wasn't. have to pay tax on it. It was, it was cash in hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is that it? That's it. So, Ross, what's your jump the shark moment? Well, Grant, I had a couple that I was going to choose. I'll tell you about the other one because it's kind of short. You know that bit where they dropped uh, 40, 50 feet after the gun bike battle <laughs> uh, I can remember Hulk Hogan suplexing the big boss man <laughs> off the cage and I think he fell maybe like 10-15 feet we know wrestling's not real but he hurt himself and the big boss man was so out of wind that they lay on the floor for a good 10 minutes <laughs> here they managed to get up after 2 seconds but my real don't jump the shark moment is just after we get CEO Exposition Brendan, from Brendan Gleeson mm-hmm. and um, Tom Cruise. We think Tom Cruise has turned up at the compound to rescue Tandy Newton, and she buys it for some reason. <laughs> and Tom Cruise has dressed up as Albert Einstein mm-hmm. for a reason that we still don't know as well because we know that Brendan Gleeson's character knew that that guy was dead but still confesses everything to him. Well, it, it's weird as well the way it's done because he wakes up the next day and it's supposed to be like, oh, you've just had a big long dream. dream. Yeah. yeah. Who's believing that? <laughs> but on a whole, it's the whole face-swapping quagmire that the film starts at that scene <laughs> where you know from then on that you're never to trust anybody really because you don't know whose face they could be wearing because apparently everybody has the technology to mock a, fo- a fake face up so that's that's my jump the shark moment it's just that face swapping quagmire that starts there <laughs> what about you Grant? Well, I've actually gone down a quite similar road but for a different uh-huh. final payoff it would be the face pulling the face off technology face stroke off <laughs> I think the particular one that I really hate is the bit where he makes he turns the South African into him yeah. and he turns into the South African and the reason I hate it is 
what kind of magic fucking machine is this <laughs> that he can carry it with him to a state where he can get into fights and not like that damage be an it. issue <laughs> or damage it yeah. yeah but also it can grow like enough pla- like plastic face to cover them with all the fake hair and eyes and all that what the fuck is this machine despite having different face shapes as well yeah <laughs> it's portable enough did not get broken in a fight, and yet it's big enough to generate these two faces. <laughs> and I think that's just like even the rest of the time, people are doing them in advance. Although yeah. you've got to wonder how Dougie Scott's got the technology. Actually, that's a point. Maybe because he was an agent. Yeah, but um, it's just the whole fact of like where where does this technology come from? It makes no <laughs> sense. It's in the first film, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's kind of used as a bit of a MacGuffin there as well. But have you seen the one in the? It's the fourth film, the Ghost Protocol one, where the machine breaks down mm-hmm. and they can't cut the face in time. And I mean, it's like the size of a suitcase when it opens up and it breaks down and, it, and it's kind of like... I saw him carrying no suitcase, is my point. No, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> kind of a piss take of that is because it's like, well, that's not always going to work. <laughs> and I think the director kind of got that with that one and stopped to doing this we'll just use face swaps as a MacGuffin to <laughs> so yeah same same basic reason different moment yeah our music is Mr. Beeps Thousand Furious Beeps check him out on MySpace just search for M-I-S-T-E-R B-E-E-P okay Grant well we said we'd do it 50 likes and uh, we would choose a listener at random to appear on the podcast. Well, your name generating machine tonight is Camelot. (laughs) (laughs) And the balls will be put in by minor celebrity Brian Cox. (laughs) He's the boss. (laughs) They're going in this machine. (laughs) Right, Grant, so if you'd like to reach into the bag, I'll create a drum roll. Okay. You feel some balls in there? <laughs> I've got some balls, alright. Okay, I have a name. Ta-da! Dominic Graham. Hey. So we'll get in contact with Dom and let him pick a film of his choice. As it stands, we have, I think, 51 people have liked us on Facebook. I think if we get up, get another 25. I think if we get another one, we'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, don't, don't, don't sit on your laurels. <laughs> get in there. <laughs> and we'll do another draw at some point and uh, maybe pick one of you lucky people that have already liked us as well. Talking to Facebook, who can you find us, Grant? Don't Jump the Shark Film Podcast. Give us a like. Twitter? At Don't Jump Shark. Post where your jump the shark moment is, and you could win a free, free. <laughs> you could win a postcard, which some of the people have put up pictures of. Can they email us, Grant? Don't jump the shark at hotmail.com. I was looking for a yes or a no, but that'll do. <laughs> okay, that's us. Bye. Bye. Next time on Don't Jump the Shark, Miss Congeniality. If you were to enter a competition, Grant, who would you... What competition would you enter? (laughs) I would enter Miss Congeniality. (laughs) (laughs)
<laughs> like Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> like Bruce Forsyth, I'd enter this world. <laughs> Uh, at the end of that planning meeting, he goes, right, but first things first, 